This week on the podcast, I have an extra, extra special guest. David Crawford is the founder of the Digital Strategy Unit. And if there's anyone who can bring us up to date and give us an accurate account of the lessons and learnings of the last six months, then it's David Crawford. He's actually written an excellent piece on LinkedIn called Six From Six, just a couple of takeaways from this. By the way, the link to that is in the, in the description. A couple of takeaways. The steering wheel is more important than the accelerator. Don't do one thing well, do it brilliantly. There actually isn't any room for passengers. We talk about the shock and awe from the early days and how the best agencies responded. Uh, the fact that confidence is rebounding at the moment, the importance of cash in the bank and overheads. That you know, there was one agency that he referred to that was paying of fifteen thousand pounds a year on software and tools that they just never needed. Um, Reevaluating office space. Do we actually need all of that space? Client relationships. The agencies that had the deeper, more longer-lasting client relationships were able to have open and honest conversations with their clients, and those were the clients that actually helped them through um, the shock of the early days. We learned a lot about our people, you know, who adapted well, who didn't. You know, overall, the vast majority of staff responded really, really well, with a, with a few exceptions. Probably the biggest learning has been, in in David's opinion, the Jim Collins or Blair End philosophy of sort of doing one thing well, you know, being really clear about your services and the markets that you serve. If you're interested in any of that stuff, then you will find this conversation absolutely fascinating. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with David Crawford. My special guest this week is David Crawford. He is the founder of the Digital Strategy Unit. His purpose is a clear and simple one, to help great agencies become great businesses. In doing this, he helps agencies with strategic, commercial, and operational development to enable them to grow in a way that suits the founders and rewards them for both their skill and their effort. He comes to us with over 25 years of experience from agencies like McCann Erickson, BJL, and 26, to name a few. He's also worked on accounts such as Harley-Davidson, HSBC, Disney, and Procter & Gamble. David Crawford, welcome back to Agency Dealmasters. Hi, Nathan. Uh, thanks to be here again. Uh, uh, great to speak and great to catch up. And, and thanks for inviting me along once more. Definitely. For, from our early days, for our first podcast, I think you were number, I don't know, number eight or number nine, something <laughs> like that. And I'll I, tell you more yeah. respect. <laughs> But I had absolutely no idea what I was doing at that time, David. And I, I know a little bit more now. Um, so I'm a little bit less nervous and intimidated by the people that I'm speaking to. But thanks for thanks for being back on the show. Well, you did a great job then. And in fairness, on all the other, uh, and, and so many of the other episodes that you've created, you've done a great job too. So you're, uh, you're becoming a master, that's for sure. And, and, I, and I can absolutely assure you there's nothing to be intimidated about speaking to me. That's uh, <laughs> one thing I can guarantee for uh, 30, 40 minutes. Thank you. I'll, I'll pay you later. The, the check is in the post. Um, so this is the second time on, that you've been on the show, as you said. And since we spoke with, there's been a certain global pandemic that's that's changed everyone's plans for 2020. Um, so I thought we could use this as a way of, this framework of, as a way of framing the discussion of sort of respond, reimagine and recover. So respond meaning how did you respond to the event and the pandemic, 
meaning your business and, and your personal life, if you want to go that far, and also your clients as well. How did they respond? How did they reimagine their businesses as we've all had to do over the last three or four months? And how how have they recovered and how have you recovered and, and what are your plans for recovery over the next sort of six months, 12 months, 18 months, etc.? So maybe let's start at the beginning. How, when the pandemic initially started, sort of first week of March, uh, first, second week of March, how how did you respond and how did your clients respond? Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it, now? Because we're, what, sort of towards the end of July, so it's uh, we're sort of way past that, that point now, and therefore the, the, the ability to reflect becomes even greater over time anyway. And I think the... Mm. Um, I mean, firstly, I think it's really important to say that after the sort of the, the initial sort of almost shock and awe impact of, mm. of lockdown hitting, as like you say, early to mid-March, um, the... Um, and the... Uh, the, literally the seismic effect that that had on, on, on certainly the, the, the business owners and the agency owners that I know uh, was a really difficult thing, really, really difficult thing. I think um, I, I promise that this is the only time I'll use, I'll try to use the unprecedented word over the next half an hour. Right. So I can't go okay. into that, but yeah. I'll do my best. But clearly it was. Um, and I think the, 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 um, the, the, the really critical point about that particular word, I've nearly used it again, um, is that actually in, 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 in our working lives as sort of business owners and running businesses and managing teams and growing businesses, et cetera, we have to make decisions, don't we, all the time. That just comes with the job. It's part of the territory. But what coronavirus uh, and the impact of it brought to us was um, we had to make some really, really big decisions, but based purely on instinct. There was no evidence. There was no precedent. We'd not been here before. There was no, not really any books you could read, really, or anybody you could really turn to who had got experience and have had handling and managing something like this before. Mm. So we had to make our decisions, like I said, based on a, on a bit of gun, gut instinct uh, and conversation and discussion, and, of course. But nevertheless, there were no facts, there was no data, there was no evidence to sort of support us in that decision-making process along the way. And the other thing, of course, depending on the, 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 the sort of condition and state of a business, and we'll perhaps pick this up a little bit more on the respond piece, um, some of those decisions had to be made really, really, really quickly, but just because, just because of reasons of cash. You know, yeah. and how long business could actually survive. Bearing in mind there was something significant happening, um, and we were no, we weren't sure at that point how far and how deep. And in fact, maybe we're still not sure now. It was that the cuts were actually going to be. So, uh, so that was the one of the biggest things really in terms of just this this way of making decisions without having any experience or any data mm. to sort of rely on um, to play back. Um, and I guess then the other thing, and I've just touched on it, is that at the time, and and, they, and probably still the case now, we didn't know. You know how big it was going to be, how long it was going to be, what the, and at that point as well, what government support there was going mm. to be, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, so again, there's been an element of it. It's been a moving feast along the way. Clearly things have um, become clearer. They're not clear yet, but they've certainly become clearer. Um, and, and, and certainly things like the government sort of furloughing support scheme and other support schemes have been in place have, have been a tremendous support to, to certainly to the agency world and obviously to the wider economy as well so so i think that, that's probably the biggest thing in terms of the, mm. the the biggest reflection in terms of that the toughness of making of having to sort of make some decisions with so little information and so little uh, foresight in terms of what the next few weeks and at that point even the next few months were going to look like um, yeah i think the the um yeah and then I think the other thing that there is a reflection from my side on the work that I do, because as, as you said in the introduction, this is all I do. I, I sort of work and advise and support a non-exec in the, in the agency space is um, 
and I would say this wouldn't have, but actually the, the, the benefit of having an external experience um, brain and point of view to help along to help some of those discussions uh, and again if you spoke to some of my clients i'm sure they'd say it was pretty uh, it was really useful at the time somebody who's not down in the detail doesn't know all the mm. people uh, and, and can actually just take a, a broader pure business perspective on some of the decisions they need making mm. just to sort of bring an extra mm. dimension into the mix mm, really fascinating no you're right it was a very scary time if, if i if we if we think back to sort of early mid-march i, I mean just from the fact that, I mean, yes, it was unprecedented, I've, I've used that word, but it was just so, it was eerie, you know, mm. going into supermarkets, going into shops, there was no music playing, everyone was wearing masks, uh, people were avoiding each other, no cars on the road, there was sort of, the only cars that I heard on the road were ambulances, which was super scary, I could hear ambulances in the background, and it was just, it felt like the end of the world, I was in yeah. a sort of a horror movie, or, or you know, some sort of, uh, disaster movie and um, things have changed pretty significantly from then obviously we don't know you know what the future looks like but I get the sense that people are feeling a little bit more optimistic with the way that things are right now what's what's your sense yeah I think um, I would agree with that um, I would also just to sort of touch on the point you made a few seconds ago um, that level of optimism is, be is, 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 is higher than it was then but let's not forget, it was pretty damn low at that point, wasn't it? Because it mm. was like, like I said, shock and awe is probably no <laughs> bad way of describing the, the immediate sure. impact of it. And, and and a lot of people's confidence completely disappeared in terms of, oh, shit, what are we going to do? Where are we? What are we going to do? What are our clients going to do? Most uh, Just as importantly, uh, and what does the next, sometimes the next month, never mind the next three, six or 12 months, but what does the next month look like? Um, so, um, so I think the... Um, the responding phase, once you start to get into that a little bit, um, did start to make a difference. Um, and in fact, you 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 reference this quite frequently, and I, and I actually love this as a little bit of a personal mantra as well. But that 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 lovely principle around action curing fear. Yeah, yeah. there's one thing saying, you know, yeah. oh my god, we've no idea what's going on. Uh, what action do we take? What do we need to do? Uh, how do we work and plan our way through this? Now, it's one thing asking the questions, but as soon as you start to answer them and put some sort of um, markers in the sand, make the first few decisions that you need to make, set the next milestone, yeah, and then the milestone after that. But then at least you've got you've got some sort of plan, and when you've got some sort of plan, you then start mm -hmm. to feel into some sort of control. And you can clearly you can only control the things that you are directly in control of, but nevertheless you work with what you work, you work with what you can. And therefore, so I think the point around starting to have a plan in terms of that that respond piece made mm. such a significant difference in terms of, you know, right, okay. And even if that plan was, this is what we're going to do for the next week, yeah, but then at least we did know what was happening for the next week and then we'd reconvene next week and then pick up where we'd got to and then move on again, et cetera. So, so mm. there is, the, the, the positivity did start to sort of creep back in. And, and, and in fairness, to your point, it's absolutely grown and increased um, uh, again, and I'll try not to use this word too often either, exponentially <laughs> since. Um, just no, just because things have become clearer, haven't they? We've got used to, to working in certain ways. We've got used to the economy functioning in certain ways. We've got a better picture of where clients are. We've got a better clear picture of where our businesses are and what our plans are. And therefore, you know, there's just an increasing level of confidence in, in, in the future because of that. Mm. So, so talk about some of the tangible um, advice that you gave to your clients at, at, at that early stage of sort of early mid-March um, and how did agencies respond? Because there were questions around, 
you know, how do we secure ourselves financially in this situation? Clients had stopped spending or clients had had left. Um, you know, how do we sell in this environment? How do we reassure our employees? I mean, there was the whole thing of moving employees to remote working environments and then getting them set up on Zoom and 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 all all the technical infrastructure that that's needed to sort of uh, work remotely. Yeah. So there were lots of questions that agencies had at that time. What were some of the tangible uh, bits of advice and consulting that you offered your clients that actually, um, you know, was that were really useful at the time? Well, I think the, um, uh, I think funnily enough, the, the working from home piece will come back to uh, a little bit later, if that's right, because I think there's something really positive about that, certainly around the reimagining element that you talked about sort of in the introduction. Um, but I think the, the, the first week or so was literally just adapting to, every, to, to, to people not being in the office. And therefore, like you say, it's a Zoom and technology and kit and, well, software, hardware, connectivity and all that sort of stuff and making sure that the business could actually still function with the clients that were still spending. Uh, and that, that, understandably so, was the priority straight away. So uh, so in terms of my input, there was very little support I could give around that first and foremost. But but when once that was... Um, running as well as it could bear in mind it was a brand new way of working for so many businesses um i think the the fairness this is not necessarily a positive in, in, input from my side but arguably a positive impact of the coronavirus itself was that um it forced agency owners and directors to actually look properly at their business and i mean really properly nathan i don't just mean sort of a sense check once a month in a board meeting in terms of yeah we've hit target i know we haven't what we're going to do next month but genuinely look at uh, how the business has been performing um, and we talked a lot about that. unfortunately there's still plenty of agency businesses out there that I would class as marginal businesses and i.e okay. that probably means making a little bit of breaking even or making a little bit of money now in some respects mm. that's not a criticism or, or in fact it's not a criticism at all in some respects that can be deliberate in terms of reinvest rapid reinvestment for growth if you like in that respect mm -hmm. but the downside to that marginality is that what there isn't is much cash in the bank and if there isn't much cash in the bank, then clearly, you know, if you get if you've got sort of two or three months or less than that, even runway in terms of what you how you can uh, how much you can afford to carry on keeping the business functioning in its current guise, then clearly that puts some very very immediate pressure on making some decisions to cut costs. And if you're a less marginal business and you have been uh, more profitable and you've been actually keeping some decent amounts of money in the bank, so if you have got three to six months cash in the bank, clearly it just takes the immediate pressure off. Yeah, sure. to make some to make some of those decisions. So, so I think the first thing was it was clear that some of the clients that perhaps needed some immediate support around some very very quick decisions, yeah, we did and we got involved in. And that was my point, I guess, earlier around sort of the the, the benefit of having sort of an external, impartial, mm. experienced sort of um, brain in the in the virtual room in in the Zoom, mm. if you like, in some respect, <laughs> to uh, mm. to sort of uh, challenge and ask the right questions along the way mm. was really valid. But I think there's a big learning there. I think moving forward is that I suspect that um, many agency owners will keep their hands much tighter on the wheel moving forward because of what they've learned around the impact of, uh, of, of coronavirus hitting in, in, in mid-March and into April. Uh, just in terms of the, you know, that thing around thinking about being on the business, not just in the business. Um, mm. And I think then that manifests itself in a whole, whole um, 
a number of other places. Cash we've spoken about, cash in the bank is one, but I think the, then there's an immediate look at overheads, you know, and the costs in the business. And, and of course, sure. people was the first people was the first part of that cause just because they are yeah. always the biggest single cost. The, the significant agency. overhead, you know, yeah. 50, 60% of the overhead, if not sometimes a little bit more, is more people-based. Um, so, so what are the options there? And clearly, as I said, the government furloughing scheme was was a tremendous piece of support sure. um, for, in the context of not having to not having to make redundancies. And there's no doubt that there would, you know, in the agency world, there have been many many redundancies, but for the furloughing scheme. So, so credit to sort of Rishi Sunak, if you like, in some respects, for, mm. for, for that sort of level of support. Uh, and we'll mm. see how that starts to impact as it starts to tail off for the next two or three months. And then there was mm. conversations clearly around office. And, and this is where it gets really interesting again in terms of it's not just the cost of the office over the next two or three months when nobody was going to be in it, but actually there was a very quick realisation that, oh, shit, we don't need all that office space anymore. Even when things sure. do start to return to some sort of yeah. normal, we are not going to be working in the same way that we did because we don't actually mm. need to. You know, the, mm. the, there are some really interesting learnings of this from, from working from So that's the point. And then the other thing, and this is a sort of micro piece rather than a, uh, something sort of substantive, from an overhead point of view, but the number of um, clients that I work with, uh, when they start to dig into the, the overhead, the, the number of sheer subscriptions to this magazine or that piece of software, yeah, mm. many of you, many of which nobody had even seen the printed publication for the yeah. last 18 months or used sure. you know, that particular thing for two or three years. So there's yeah. some, you know, there's some, again, and that, I think that's my point. Shedding of dead weight. Absolutely. And that's a little bit of my point around. Um, agency owners making sure that they keep their hands more firmly on the wheel moving forward because it's a bit like how the hell has this been allowed to happen because in some cases that might be 10 15 pounds a year's worth of stuff that they've just not used and just not yeah and that's money that if they hadn't spent clearly would have been straight on the bottom line you know that would have been profit for them and it would have been sat in the bank and therefore etc etc so Mm. um so that so that was that was you know again eye-opening and fascinating and really useful i think in, in many many respects um and I think clearly the client piece was in the mix there as well, Nathan, in terms of the responding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's another realisation with clients that in terms of the deeper and stronger your relationship with your client, the um, the more honest and frank a conversation could be had at the start of the, uh, the uh, you know, in mid-March when things start to take. You got a decent, the, the clients that got good relationships got, had good conversations. And, and some even had clients saying, Look, we'll support you as much as we can through this. We might have to mm-hmm. cut back now on our contracted work, but we'll make that back to you later in the year. Yeah, we'll commit mm-hmm. to that as soon as things start to return to normal, et cetera. But, but the ones that, you know, um, and again, you, you guys talk about this a lot on the, uh, on, on the podcast series, but the, 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 the clients that have relationships that are almost in the trusted partner status. You know, mm-hmm. guess what? You got much better responses and much more clarity from those guys than you did where you were talking in that sort of supplier and commodity type. Space, sure. You know, where you were literally, you could really literally be discarded from one minute to the next. So, so again, so there's a, there was a sort of, a, again, a bit of a realization there for many agencies in terms of the importance of relationships with clients. Of relationships, yeah. And, and, and making sure that, I guess, you, you know, moving forward, and we can talk about this in the recover piece, but making sure that the clients that you do have moving forward are in that trusted relationship exactly. advisor sort yeah. of arena and not just the commodified end of the market. Absolutely. Really, 
really fascinating. And I've actually got a couple of clients now that are actually working on sort of client development, client relationship development strategies because of that very learning, you know, which mm. is uh, which is great, isn't it? You know, and, and I guess that's the whole thing about we, we sort of learn from all these things, don't we? And, uh, and, and, and adapt, if you like, and we'll come on to that in a minute, but nevertheless. So, uh, and then just a couple of other quick things. I think that clearly the, the, the team thing, the learning about your people in terms of the, how, how individuals responded. Okay. And actually, uh, on the whole, I must say that uh, with one or two very, very rare exceptions, m- agency staff really did step up, you yeah. know, adapted quick, realized what the situation meant and got on with yeah. the work and did great work. And actually some, by far is this catch-all, but some even prefer the working from home mm. thing. The, fo- mm. the focus it can give them, the fewer distractions, uh, and also just the, the lack of commuting time, et cetera, but nevertheless, but the team thing was really, have been really valuable as well. And I guess you find out who these, who the people are that really do care and who really do mm. fit from a cultural and values mm. and behavior perspective in situations like this. So that's been really interesting. And then the whole working from home thing as well, Nathan, of course, has been fascinating, hasn't it? In terms of um, just how that's actually, how we've all adapted to that and how it can work. Um, and, and, and therefore what the future might look like in terms of that balance between in the office yeah, and, and, and remote working. That's a really interesting point, David, because I, I fear for a lot of agency owners around working from home, even though they've probably toyed with the idea for a long time, is that can I trust my employees? Can we actually mm-hmm. do this? Will they actually yeah. work? Will they be taking breaks and, and not be working? And obviously we've all been forced to do that. Um, so in many ways, it's kind of, it's answered a lot of questions that agency owners and every business owners has had to answer about, um, their, their staff and their willingness to sort of give their staff that, uh, leeway, uh, to sort of work, work independently. And as you say, there are a few exceptions that probably haven't, uh, sort of, um, uh, you know, probably haven't, haven't gone well, but the vast majority from what I'm hearing, have responded positively. Definitely, absolutely. Yeah, no question. Mm, really no question. interesting. L- let's talk about the reimagine piece then. So, how have the best agencies, or how have your clients uh, that you've been working with reimagined their business over this this period of time? Because we've all had to do it in one way or another. Yeah, yeah, business business model, operations, finance, marketing, you know, HR. Uh, morale, speaking to clients, the client relationship development piece that you talked about earlier. Yeah. Talk about what some of the most interesting or remarkable uh, examples are of agencies that have reimagined their business as a result of this. I think the um, I think the biggest thing, in all honesty, is is if it's almost like a strategic reimagining. Nin, if you like, if that's not too many ins on the end of that word. Um, the, um, you know, whether you subscribe to sort of Jim Collins's, you know, Hedgehog Concept, doing one thing well, or Blair End's mm. proclamation, and we will specialize and all that sort of stuff. But nevertheless, mm. that, that piece around, you know, actually, strategically, we need to be really, really clear about the services that we offer and the markets that we serve. Yeah. Um, and actually, there are so many great lessons for businesses that do sort of function that, not just agencies, but businesses that do function in that way being successful yeah um and therefore why shouldn't we be doing more of that and i think there's been a there's i think the um that principle if you like of doing one thing well has has just come to the fore more and has made people and it's also in in all honesty from a strategic perspective it's just again with perhaps with the more marginal businesses that i mentioned it's actually made the agency owners sort of reevaluate. hang on a minute why are we doing this we've put all this we've put all this hard work in for the last two three four five years and actually, when when the shit has hit the fan through no fault of our own, 
we realise we're actually not in as good a place as we should be. And it's just made them um, reevaluate what they've been doing for those last two, three, four, five years. And therefore that thing, you know, and, and again, it's the other completely the other end of the spectrum, but I'm sort of making the point to sort of dramatise it. If you say you'll do anything for everybody, you know, then there's no money in that. And actually, to be honest, there's no there's no actual reward emotionally or intellectually in it either. Um, and, and 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 I think there's been a couple that have definitely realised that actually that that doing one thing well piece is really really important to them moving forward. And actually, want to make mm -hmm. sure. And I think that's why when you again when you talk about the, when I talk about the work that I do, I, I sort of talk about what founders and directors being rewarded for both their skill and their effort. And I think uh, that's sort of, you know, just, just come to the fore a little bit more in terms of uh, why they're doing it and therefore be much more focused around, again, like I said, the services they offer and the market that they serve. So, and I think that's a really, really positive thing. I'm not being um, some sort of smart ass about this, but I think, no. you know, my experience from agency world, you know, for sort of 25 years in it is that the ones that are the better businesses and certainly the ones that are most enjoyable to work in. And those two things are related. Let's not forget that for one second are the ones that are pretty clear in terms of, you know, what they do and who they do it for. Uh, so that's a really, really good thing in terms of reimagining that. And in fairness, Nathan, reimagining might be a slightly strong word for it, but actually just a tightening of focus. But maybe sometimes it's just a refocusing, you know, and realising that actually we shouldn't be doing that bit. So let's actually slowly, you know, get rid of that bit, but let's make sure that we're really driving and chasing down this bit over here or this thing over here too. I think the the other point, the other thing around reimagining is on the finance and commercial side. And again, like I say, particularly with those businesses that may maybe described as marginal um, from a performance point of view, then again, just a bit more focus on the numbers, you know, and on the commercial mm -hmm. side of things, and on you know, on a good solid. And this sounds really boring, and I sort of apologise in advance, but it's part mm -hmm. of it. I love, but, but but focus on a good dashboard. You know, what are the five to six key commercial metrics sure. for our business that say that we're moving in the right direction and actually are a proper business? if you like, in many respects. So, so I think that there's a lot more of that. And guess what? There's just a much more detailed, and my point around subscriptions earlier reflects this, there's a much more detailed and almost forensic understanding of, of where the money is going out of the business and what it's being sure. spent on, which again, sure. is, is, is clearly just a good thing. It is. There's, there's no, no question about that as well. Yeah. Um, and a little bit on the commercial side around around rates and capacity planning and all this sort of stuff, and just some diligence around knowing what the, the revenue generating capability of a business actually is um in there as well which is starting to just again being promoted and again the that's where sort of good accountants uh, you know and good, and good specialist accountants fall into the mix as well mm -hmm. in terms of accountants that really understand the agency model um have perhaps got other agencies on their roster as well so they've got some sort of good sort of benchmarking and some good learnings from others yeah just really... on the podcast yeah exactly absolutely <laughs> Yeah. And I work with Stuart quite a bit. So, so no, absolutely. There's no question about that. So. And then there's mm. some other bits and pieces in, in the mix around reimagining operations. Yeah. So, you know, how well of our processes do they actually work? Where are the leaks? Where are the gaps? Where do we need to instill some more discipline? Um, and I think the benefit of um, things going quiet over the first couple of months for many businesses, the, the, the directors could actually reflect on some of this stuff. They just didn't have the time to before because they were pedal, trying to pedal so fast. Just Putting to sort of keep fires, the, you know, well, exactly, yeah, keep the wheels turning, put out fires, whatever the, the sort of analogy is, but exactly just to do that. And I guess actually the bigger point there, to deliver for clients is what they were actually trying to do. So uh, so definitely some operational stuff. There was definitely some stuff around team. I mean, I think the I've probably got 
clearly I can't, I will never betray any, any confidence, but I've certainly got a handful of clients that have made some difficult decisions around people and actually have made some redundancies. Um, mm. and, uh, and as awful as that is, and I get this because these, these are real people with real lives and mortgages to pay and all that sort of stuff. Um, looking at it purely from a business perspective, when, when the decisions have been made and the individuals have been told and everything's sort of gone through, the response from agency owners has, has often been, yeah, that was awful, but it was the right thing to do for the business. And we probably should have done that 12 to 18 months ago a because we, ago. we knew that person wasn't, wasn't actually, sure. you know, had never quite been quite right. They'd never yep. quite delivered. The quality wasn't there, their attitude, whatever mm. it might be. Um, and again, I'm not belittling the people bit at all by one, by any stretch of imagination, because these are real people, as I've said. However, these are, we've got businesses that we need to um, protect and, and, and put in a position where they can sort of genuinely thrive. So, um, so again, as awful as it is, that's, that's a, a, that in, in some respects is a positive out of this situation as well from a structural point of view. That's and then really just the last thing on the reimagining, sorry, sure. sorry, Nathan, one more thing on it is just the, the, um, the need to do marketing for our, for, for agencies better, do <laughs> more of it and do it much better, you know, Definitely. and, you know, it's because uh, because again, it's like okay, well, actually, nobody really knows about us. Uh, so actually, more mm. importantly, the right people don't know the right things about us. Mm. Is, is is the point there? And again, when you reflect on that, it's because we've actually we've just you know we've always we've always put the clients before our we've own. Done our clients' marketing first, right? Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, that's right. what paid the bills. Exactly. Um, so um, so again, mm. and, and and again, I've got one client that I was with last week, and we agreed to sort of you know take on a dedicated marketing manager for this business now. You know, somebody who, whose whose title will be exactly that. And, and that will be their full-time role. The challenge, of course, when, when that person arrives, of course, is to make sure that they don't get dragged into sure. just helping this client out or that client out. But nevertheless, sure. the, the intent is there. So I think in some respects, the sort of, those four or five things there sort of encapsulate sort of that reimagining thing um, for me once we've got over the, um, the sort of respond phase in terms of starting to sort of, like I say, take some action. Take some action and make some decisions. Mm. Hmm. So, so what I'm hearing you saying is it's less about really reimagining the business and sort of revolutionizing the business as a result of this, but it's more about really tightening your focus, yeah. tightening your focus on uh, doing one thing well, that hedgehog principle, you know, whatever you want to refer to yeah. it as, or a focus on your financials or your operations or your marketing. It's really yeah. doing the things that you've yeah. already been doing, but doing them better. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Really I think, no, sorry, it's, it's the, um, I talk about my, my sort of, my purpose in my business, and you referenced about the start, is to help great agencies become great businesses. So actually, mm. the reimagining bit, they are actually on the whole, these businesses do have a really uh, great skill set, yeah, that is applicable um, and viable from a particular part of the market. So actually, it isn't about reimagining, it is that refocus piece, really. If I was being picky and nuanced about words, which I'm not, but you know what I mean. That, that, uh, that's the, that's the you are a little bit about my uh, reimagined <laughs> title, but it's all right, I, I won't take it personally. Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> really fascinating. Okay, so that brings us on to the, the third piece, the recover piece. Uh, what does the future look like? You know, what are your clients thinking about over the next sort of 6, 12, 18 months? What does the future of their businesses look like? Yeah, I think, um, well, well, clearly uh, the answer to that is I don't know. And, and that's because nobody really knows. Um, no crystal ball. No crystal ball. Uh, but then again, the, the, back to the point about action, curing fear. But I think as part of that sort of um, uh, reimagine or refocusing piece, yeah, there is confidence in within 
the agencies uh, that I know of anyway, the ones that I work with and the ones that I know, that actually there's a, there's, a, there's a strategy there and there's a plan there. Okay, so we know, we know who we are and what we want to do and who, and, what we, and who we want to do it for. And we've got a really good idea of how we're going to get it out to the market. And we've started some of that. We know what current business we've got coming in. Yeah, and we've got a good, a good um, handle on, uh, sorry, a good grasp on both our revenue for the next three to six months that we, we know is guaranteed and also our cost for the next three to six months. So in some respects, we are in control of as many of the moving parts as we can be, you know, over the short term and, and the short term being the next three. In fact, the rest of this calendar year, I guess, really is the short term now, isn't it, in that respect? So, yeah. so I think the action curing fear piece has helped and, and, and the, 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 the agency owners have taken control as much as they possibly can. And they've got confidence in the, both the strategy and the plan that have been sort of... Um, um, reimagined to use your word again um, over the last two or three months and therefore starting to sort of make it happen um, some are forecasting you know um, break even financial years um, mm. and, and, and all good that's fine you know um, and, and some are uh, some are forecasting a bit of a profit in the mix there as well. and I've actually got a couple that have really started to fly they are uh, very specialist businesses as well and have been have had that clarity perhaps for the last 12 months and actually that that started to actually really bear fruit um, over the last three or four months through the coronavirus thing is actually clients have been looking for new and different things and actually just thinking a bit more strategically about the agency partners that they've got. So, so again, there's, 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 there's plenty, there's a, uh, a good dose of uh, realistic confidence out there, I think now, Nathan, in terms of um, attitudes towards the future. I think the, um, clearly some nervousness, because again, we don't know what the phasing out of the sure. furloughing thing, how that will actually work, and will that coincide with business, with, with clients coming back and spending, which is obviously mm -hmm. the, 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 the hope, uh, but nevertheless, that might not happen. So there's very much a watching brief on all these things, uh, but nevertheless, there is, more, there is more confidence out there, um, without a doubt. I think the, the other realization, and this is this is part of the, um, I think part of part of the thinking about um, about the responding pace and, mm. and, and just reflecting, is that you know, the work I do with agencies on the sort of both strategic side and the sort of delivery side, um, literally nine times out of ten, if not even more, the strategic side is the relatively easy bit in terms of, okay, let's let's do that piece. So let's do the hedgehog, let's do some work on our hedgehog concept and let's start <laughs> to nail that down. And let's start to sort of really understand what our purpose is and values. And they've got all those things usually, and they're all really so typically really solid and really um, well-defined. Might need a little bit of tinkering with, but nevertheless are there. So that, that piece of work can get done relatively quickly. Then the next bit is, okay, well, what are we going to do over the next financial year more importantly over the next three months of the financial year to start this ball rolling and start to do things differently that's the hard bit because that requires change and that requires uh, therefore people need to do things differently and it's not mm -hmm. just the directors it's typically the an entire business that needs mm -hmm. to do things differently sometimes in big ways and sometimes in little ways but nevertheless change is actually hard and if you are in many respects, still on that treadmill that we spoke about earlier, or still putting those client fires out, or still struggling to make mm -hmm. those client deadlines, what happens is you tend not to have the time to invest to actually make it make significantly try to do things differently moving forward. So what there isn't, unfortunately, is a big red reset button, yeah, that we can press on a Friday night or first thing on a Monday morning, and we all come in then on Monday and do things differently. Yeah. Clearly, it's, got, it's much more um, intricate and involved in that. And that's one of the biggest challenges, I think, now is just, you know, um, having decided what we now need to do and what we, and now yeah. we now need to stop doing, making those things happen. 
really, really fascinating insights from what you're seeing with your with your clients, David. Thank you very much for that. Just final question for me before we get into our favorite questions, which I ask all of my guests, and I'm really excited to ask you some of these as well because uh, things have changed a lot in the last few months about what- I can't, I can't remember what I said reading. last time either. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can. Um, okay. But just give us your sense of your optimism. You know, what, what, you know, what are you personally feeling right now? What's your personal mood about- what the future holds are you optimistic or pessimistic yeah I, I'm absolutely optimistic um i think um firstly it's my, thankfully I'm, I'm pleased to say it's my sort of uh, to an extent my natural disposition is, is is more on the side of glass half full than glass half empty so that always helped um mm-hmm. and i think the um and i think i'm no great historian but history has definitely told us that you know from adversity you know we can come out um not literally fighting you know, from some very, very difficult situations and we can come out better from some very, very difficult situations as well. I think the, and that's sort of at a personal sort of almost macro level. So, and, and, and the other thing that, you know, has, has taken a backseat from an economic point of view, just in terms of the news anyway, over the last three, four, five months is the whole Brexit thing, which is obviously sure. going to kick in early next year as well. So, so that's another sort of bump in the road that we're all going to have to navigate at some point. However, um, I think the, so my work is um, entirely with sort of uh, independently owned and managed agencies, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, um, anything from sort of five to sort of 75 people. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually think that that particular space, sort of the small to medium sized agency space is um, is where the opportunity is. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to have to have more mouths to feed than that. Um, and I think that's just at a, I think the, the, the proposition becomes harder. And I think the delivering of real quality work becomes harder when you're at mm. that sort of size and scale. Um, mm. And again, uh, I can't remember which one of your contributors it was that, that I heard to on the other week talk about the, you know, the network, waiting for the networked agencies to implode. And again, it did caveat that in all honesty, but never, but, but you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to have, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 people scattered around the world in a network of agencies right now. Um, mm. just because of everything that's going on. And therefore, in the world that I function in, which is the complete opposite of that, um, I think there are tremendous opportunities. Again, back to the point around specialising, if you're really clear and you have a great sort of product and service offering in, offering in its own right, then that, I think that puts you in a really, and clearly there's a market for it, back to Jim Collins and his economic engine piece, but there's a market for it, then I think that puts you in a really, really strong place. So so I am optimistic. I am genuinely optimistic. Um, and I think that the the creative world, you know, and, and we've got a great reputation in this country for our sort of, uh, for the creative sector really, really broadly, not just from a, from a marketing and communications perspective. Again, has just proved that it, uh, it can do great things and will do great things. And part of that, to use your word, is, is about reimagining and recreating and innovating and, 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 and developing new ideas and new models, et cetera. So, so I am genuinely um, you know, excited and optimistic about, the, about things moving forward. David, let's get into our favorite questions that we ask all of our guests. These are the questions uh, that I ask everyone that comes on the show. I've asked you some of these uh, for the first time you came on, but I'm going to change uh, some of them. Um, okay. there, were, there were some that I didn't ask you last time. Uh, so I'm going to start with, considering that we've all been in lockdown and been at home a lot more recently, tell us what have you been watching, streaming and listening to? Amazon Prime, Netflix, uh, Disney Plus has been added to the mix, Hulu, 
go down the list. Um, what have you been streaming and watching these days? Well, uh, Philip, we, we, I think I've only ever watched one thing on Amazon Prime, and I actually can't remember what that was now. But nevertheless, but what I did watch on Netflix um, it was only last Friday night, and I'm way behind the curve on this. No pun intended. On the on, but I watched Moneyball. Um, which oh, okay. uh, is the the film of and Brad Pitt plays the coach of yep. the Oakland, Oakland Athletics. They've had a new the dreadful season. Um, yep. What they need to do next? You know, they've got a poor poor team, very little cash, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, yeah. And and the basics the story about this clever guy from I think it was Stanford. Uh, oh no, it was Yale. Sorry, I think it was Yale. Uh, who who done loads of data analytics and all sorts of stuff around player performance and what sort of players you need actually. And there's a fantastic scene in there where um, they're talking about sort of picking players for next year, and they've got this group of six or seven scouts there, um, and they're talking about on what basis to pick players. And one of them lit- genuinely says, um, "Oh, we don't." Somebody puts a name forward, and he says, "Oh, we can't have him because he's got an ugly girlfriend." And if you've got an ugly <laughs> girlfriend in baseball, that means you've got a lack of confidence, and we can't have players without that. Really. Of and um, Brappin's character was sort of rolling his eyes. And, but the introduction, and it's been adopted in baseball now since, the, in, yeah. the introduction of data and, and yeah. evidence-based decisions and all that sort of stuff and, sure. and, and, and overlaying that on top of instincts and experiences. Yeah. Just a, a fantastic film, really well done, and just some really interesting broader learning. So, and, and I'm way behind the curve on that because it's, it's yeah. the, well, I've, I've shot it's a few years old. Five years old. I have really, really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it really took over kind of the business world in the last few, you know, few years. And obviously it got introduced into baseball, but so many other sports have adopted exactly. it. And so many businesses have adopted the yeah. principles of Moneyball as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Super, I, I need to go back and watch that. It's a good film. Um, and, and, anything, and as well, it's very entertaining. It's, it's a good film to watch too. It's really good. It? So, yeah. Really interesting. Oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Brad Pitt anyway. So yeah, things that he's generally in, I generally like. Um Anything else you can mention or should we talk about the books well, question? The only thing, I, and, and again, I'm not quite as behind the curve on this, but I also watched The Last Dance, you know, the, the, the Michael okay. Jordan. Michael Jordan. Just fantastic in terms yeah. of an individual and drive and, and teamwork and all this sort of stuff. So uh, I won't waffle on about that, but nevertheless, it's a fascinating watch. Really, really yeah. great watch. Really fact, I thought it was a one-off and it was on for a couple of hours and it ended up being, I think, eight episodes and we watched it yeah. two, in two nights. So we really? Oh, you binged? Really got into that one. Really got into it. Really enjoyed it. Fascinating. Tell us about some of your favorite books. I know that you're an avid reader. Uh, you're reading loads, uh, yeah. like me. Um, you, we talked about David Hyatt recently, uh, so I'm interested in hearing your thoughts well, there. You talked about an AJ and Smart book as well, but tell us about some of your favorite books. So I think the, um, funny enough, um, I am. Uh, I try to be an avid reader. Uh, funny enough, I was looking. I was trying to dig something out this morning and realised I must have given it away or I lent it to somebody. I can't remember. So I had to buy a copy of that again. But nevertheless. Um, but interesting, I was listening to, and I know you've had David Hyatt on, and I, I listened to him this morning, actually, funny enough, but, he, but there was, um, I, I subscribed I to some of the do lectures stuff, because it's really, mm-hmm. really fascinating content, and he's a very, very interesting individual in terms of what he's done, mm-hmm. both when he was an advertising copywriter, at Howie's, at Hyatt Denham, and now with the do mm-hmm. lectures and stuff, but one of the things he talks about, interestingly, is actually not trying to read all those books because actually we can't absorb in fact to just talk about this on the podcast that you know, i did with you um mm-hmm. you can't you know unless you properly read them read them again annotate them take notes mm-hmm. summarize whatever really mm-hmm. embed it into your brain you don't mm-hmm. stand a chance so what 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 david's actually done by um almost by accident but never says give me permission to stop feeling under pressure to read all these books that everybody's oh, everybody okay about. yeah and i've sort of got four or five go-to books that are, that are sort of now I want to sort of make sure, I, in fairness, I do yeah. know them, but I want to make sure I really, really know them and get deeper into them. What so, are the books? 
Well, so one is Traction, which is Gino Whitman. And again, I know you've Love had... Um, well, exactly. Yeah, you, we've talked about this one before, haven't we, as well? And yeah. I think as a, as a because of, because it's a really lovely um, operating model, that, and I use it with all my agencies, um, that agencies can work to and apply. Um, and it's a two-page... In fairness, it, the, the output is a two-page business plan and what's not to like about a two-page business plan. Um, <laughs> and therefore... Uh, so that's really powerful. So that, in fact, I'm, I, this is me patting that book because I have it literally on my desk uh, okay. all, yeah. all the time. Um, Sounds like think, traction. It does, yeah, there you go, the proof. Um, good, good to great, of course, the Jim Collins sort of, you know, there, there was no better. And, 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 his, and his flywheel sort of addendum to that sort of particular piece is yeah. really powerful and really interesting as well. Uh, yeah. And then, um, then uh, Win Without Pitching, Blair Ends, and he was on Not So okay. listened to him from you guys not so long ago. Again, tremendous stuff. And, and again, if anybody Amazing. hasn't read it, please read it from the Agency World because don't fall into the trap of thinking it's just about pitching. It's not. Mm. It's, a, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's as good a business and agency strategy book as there is out there. So many yeah. great lessons in there. And again, we, we will specialise proclamation number one and all that sort of stuff is yeah. really, really sort of, you know, a, a really great lesson. And so many people are saying that. Um, and then the AJ and Smart thing, um, and, and, and again, we've spoken about this before, haven't we, sort of offline, if you like. Um, mm. But they produce some great content. And, and one of the things I do is um, uh, I facilitate quite a lot of sort of workshops in various guises, a lot of them strategy, but not all strategy workshops. Um, and AJ and Smart are sort of, sort of on becoming world-renowned in terms of uh, the work they do in this space and around a number of other things. But they publish some really interesting and really um, snackable and digestible, and that works for me because I've got a very little brain, um, <laughs> content around how to be a great facilitator and how to be a great workshopper. And again, I've yeah. got that one here in front of me as well. So that's the workshopper playbook. And anybody yeah. that's... Um, especially bearing in mind now we need to workshop in a more remote... Sorry, in a remote way these days. Just really useful in terms of sharpening your own skills and, and, and making sure you're sort of thinking and functioning um, and operating in the right sort of way in that sort of environment. So there are just a couple of things there. But, but like I say, thanks to David Hyatt for sort of giving me permission not to have to read the hundreds of books that I've got piled up somewhere in the <laughs> room. He's giving you permission. Last, last question on this. Which, which book has been most influential to the way that you think about your own profession? Um... I think I, I would I would have to go back to traction. Um, Interesting. The um, so uh, so as you touched on it. So I, I did sort of work in agencies um, for twenty five years. Okay, so so I've um, uh, yes, yeah, so I've seen quite a bit, if you like. By no means seen it all, but nevertheless, I've seen quite a bit, and I've worked in the big sort of global networks as well as the, the smaller independent places. And um, and what traction gave me, as I've touched on, was a model Ooh. within which to sort of wrap up all that everything that I'd learned. And to contextualize it and frame it and put it into then into a um, into a, a two-page plan, if you like, both for my own business in terms of what I'm doing now, but more importantly for my clients. So, um, so I would absolutely because I think the, um, the 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 ability to sort of uh, pick up and learn new experiences from outside of our sector or more generally to business level is really important for us. Really important mm -hmm. for us. So, so there are loads and loads of great books, like I say, and Blair Ends is up there, and Greg McEwen and Essentialism is another. Yeah. Uh, is you know another tremendous piece, and again another guest of yours by by sheer coincidence. Uh, but I would actually jump back to Traction to, 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 mm. as the the most. Uh, if I had to take one book onto the, I know yeah. this isn't Desert Island, this, but if I was taking one book <laughs> onto the island, it, it would be Traction onto the island. No use whatsoever, of course, but never. <laughs> island, so. Yeah, it I wouldn't really it, be helpful to get you off the island at all. So. But uh, yeah, but it'll certainly help you build a business. Certainly, the people component wouldn't be much. <laughs> 
Tell us something we don't know about David Crawford. Oh, cracking. Um, uh, probably completely irrelevant, but when I, was at my, when I was a child, my parents were into amateur dramatics and my mum was on stage mm. and my dad was backstage. Uh, and therefore, a couple of times a year, I was in theatres and sort of just being there and just sort of helping out and doing stuff. Um, and funny enough, when I started my professional life, one of the things I did was I've done some work with TV commercials. I've done some work in sort of events and product launches and all that sort of stuff and do a little bit of sort of, um, in fact, do quite a bit of sort of speaking and, like I said, facilitation now. And actually, I've realized that I think my love of um, of those events and, and a bit of the buzz of the event almost and those, those, those very time-specific sort of things that have to happen has sort of born a little bit out of those formative years as a child and sort of, um, I did spend a tiny bit on stage, but never a tiny bit of time on stage, but never backstage and being involved in putting some of that stuff on. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I still like a little bit of the 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 thrill of that chase now, uh, in terms of the excitement and the uh, the the pressure almost of a of a hard, fast, important deadline. Um, sure. And uh, and again, it's just nice to reflect on where some of those things come from as a as an individual mm-hmm. and as a human being. Definitely. Super fascinating. And my final question, David, I've asked this of you before, but um, let's see if we go for the same answer or maybe a different one. But (laughs) what do you know about growing agency businesses today that you wish you knew at the very beginning of your career? Oh, crikey. That is, um, yeah, I mean, I think... Almost everything, I think, really. There's a, if, we, if we'd started this, this sort of podcast with that question, I could probably still be talking now because I think so much. But again, if, if pushed, um, it would be that we will specialise. That, that, that proclamation number one, if I can nick it from Blair Ends as opposed to Nick Jim Collins' version, but yeah. that we will specialise piece yeah, is so foundational, so formative, so fundamental that um, it would have to be there. It would have to be there without a doubt. And if I had known that, then some things would have been, you know, I'd have tried to make things very different in, in some of the, uh, the environments that I worked in over the years. We have been speaking with David Crawford. He is currently the founder of the Digital Strategy Unit. I welcome your feedback, comments and suggestions. Email me at Nathan at agencydealmasters.com. We would be unable to do this show without our very own Deal Masters. Ahmed Ahmed is our editor. Genevieve Magecki is our bookers slash social manager. Marion Begum is our head of research. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Deal Masters. And we're done. <laughs> Brilliant. What did you think of that?